0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Let's go to Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 51, 1 through 3 says, listen to me, Isaiah 51, 1, try to give you a moment to get there. Isaiah 51.1 says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Isaiah 51.2, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. This is addressing the nation of Israel coming from Abraham and Sarah. When he was uh, one, I called him, God is saying, then I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and her wilderness he will make like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and sound of a melody. Israel is being encouraged, if you'd all turn now to First Peter chapter 3, to go back to the foundations. If you're ever lost and wondering what to do, go back to the foundations. Go back to the things that you learned from the beginning. Go back. There's no other foundation that can can be laid except that which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. If you're ever wondering what to do, what do I do in this situation? What's my default mechanism? Always go back to what you know in Christ. Always go back to him. Always go back to the foundation on which you've built your life. 1 Peter 3, verse 4 gives a encouragement to ladies about Sarah, 1 Peter 3, 4 says, let it be the hidden person of the heart, 1 Peter 3, 4, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Most guys have this marked in their Bibles. Thus Sarah (laughs) obeyed Abraham, verse 6, calling him Lord. Uh, I've suggested that a few times at home. You may now address me as Lord. (laughs) That doesn't go over real well. Uh, And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Let me just, on a serious note, break this down, ladies. Sarah is called a holy woman, verse 5. She hoped in God. She was submissive to the leadership of her husband. She even obeyed Abraham. And we can see on several occasions, this, uh, this put her in a situation or a predicament that was all not, not always predictable. In fact, it might have been scary for her to follow him from Ur of the Chaldees, to follow his lead on some things, but she did do that. And she wasn't frightened. She did not live her life in fear. Do you? Do you? It's amazing how many things could have scared Sarah. How many steps of faith God actually asked her to walk. In fact, in the last chapter, when we look at um, what happened on um, on Mount Moriah, she learned along with Abraham that the Lord will provide. But it wasn't always easy. And the faith journey is not always easy. Abraham had many challenges and troubles, including times of barrenness, famine, war, mistakes, missteps. He asked her to lie. She acquiesced. He interceded for Sodom, but then Sodom was destroyed. There was tension with Hagar, the years with Ishmael, the loss of Ishmael as he left. Yet through it all, she was faithful. These two were truly soulmates. What makes a soulmate? I think the thing that links souls together the most is a common faith in Christ, amen? When you don't have that with your spouse, I know it's hard. But when you are moving together, when you're walking together with someone through life and they have that same um, faith, it's a beautiful faith journey together. The longevity of their marriage shows you that a married couple can make it through many trials and tribulations. Go back to Genesis Chapter 23, Uh, marriage is not easy. Marriage is the school of discipleship. In fact, in premarital counseling, Pastor Chris can tell you this, we often try to talk people out of getting married (laughs) to see if it works, because we want them to know. We want them to go into marriage with their eyes wide open. You've heard the old saying, go into marriage with your eyes wide open. After you get married, keep them half shut. It's a good philosophy. And these two walked together, but now she's gone. Over 100 years of marriage. Can you imagine that? We, we, we have walked people through times of grief and sorrow in so many different contexts in ministry, but now she's gone. Sarah died. This is uh, Numbers 23, two, excuse me, Genesis 23, 2. I'm trying to make this not crackle on us. Genesis 23, 2 says, Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is in Hebron, in the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. That's Israel. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Two Hebrew words here. The word mourn is kafad. It means to tear the hair and beat the breast. It's a strong word. It's a word of lament. It's a word that means to wail. In the ancient times, people would beat their chest and they would even put ashes on their head and they would cry out. And I don't know what's going on with my microphone. I'm sorry. Um, and Abraham did just this. The, the word for weep here is baka, and it means to cry or to shed tears, and generally it means to bemoan. Um, I've heard some pastors who have made this claim, and I think it's... Stupid, just to be blunt. They will address an audience at a, a service where someone has just passed away, and they will tell people that as a Christian, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't cry for the dead. You shouldn't shed tears because after all, that person's in heaven. So why should you cry? And I found myself in certain, I found myself in certain contexts sitting and listening to somebody else and trying to hold myself in my chair and not get up in the middle and say something that might be a bit uh, disrespectful to what was going on. But mourning for one who has died is not only permitted, it is expected. Let me say that one more time. Mourning for someone who has died that you love is not only permitted, it is expected. For crying out loud... Pun intended. Jesus cried at the tomb of Lazarus. I mean, take a look at your Bible, amen? He even knew he was going to raise Lazarus, and he's weeping over the death of a friend. In Acts 8, I think it's around verse 2, when Stephen dies, they go and get the body, and they made loud lamentation over Stephen. Stephen. That's New Testament. That's the death of Stephen. Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and yet they wept for him. In Ecclesiastes 7.2, it says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Ecclesiastes 7.2 means you learn more at funerals than you do at parties. Now, memorial services are not the place that we you know, really want to be. But the point in Ecclesiastes 7.2, this is what it's making, is a memorial service, unlike a party, will cause you to look inside. It will cause you to do a little self-examination. It will cause you to look at your heart and soul and where your life is. And that's the point of the text. Numbers 20.29, Deuteronomy 34.8, for your notes, both say that when Aaron died and Moses died, the Israelites grieved over each of them for 30 days. 30 days of mourning was the typical mode of mourning in Israel. 30 days. So sometimes, you know, we run into a person and it's a week after they've lost a loved one. And we imply, and sometimes we don't know what to say, so we, we all, we're all learning. It's almost like we imply, hey, you know, you got to move on. No, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, you can't predict how long someone's supposed to grieve. You can't just say, okay, that's it, I'm moving on. Now, I will say this to you, though. Life does go on. And this section is going to be about Abraham burying Sarah. And it may surprise you, I think many of you know this, he does Remarry. He remarries a woman named Keturah in Genesis 25 and has additional children. Now, can you imagine that? He was married to Sarah for over 100 years, and yet he did remarry after she died. And sometimes people wrestle with that concept. A spouse has died. Should I remarry? Sometimes there's a guilt that happens. Sometimes people throw that guilt at other people. And and often it's even the idea of remarriage or it's the timing. So someone remarries quickly and maybe the family's troubled by that. But I'll just say to you that the Bible is really silent on this. It doesn't make a condemnation for someone who remarries. In fact, Abraham remarries here. But in Romans 7, here's the principle, and you could pick this principle up from 1 Corinthians 7. If you're going to remarry, Remarry only in the Lord, only in the Lord. So Abraham does remarry, and this is a classic verse. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. The Bible acknowledges that you will grieve, but don't grieve like those who have no hope. We have ultimate hope in Christ, amen? So when we go through the times when we have to say goodbye to somebody and and it's hard, our faith goes beyond just this life, you guys. We're looking to something uh, that's going to be permanent. We're looking to something that uh, God is going to build where sin and death are no more, where tears are wiped away. And Abraham is kind of that first man that, has received that promise by faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23, it says, In Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his order. Christ the first fruits; after that those who are Christ at his coming. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, The last enemy that will be abolished is death. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. But Abraham, he wept, and he mourned for her. And it was natural. And God has given you tear ducts for a reason. The Bible says in one of the Psalms, he holds your tears in his bottle. He knows when you cry. David says, my tears have been, you know, basically my pillow as I cry over life. Life can be hard. And sometimes we just need to get it out. And that's the way we get it out is through tears. I want to show you a couple passages in the book of Hebrews. If you turn over there, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2 says these words. It's talking about the answer to this dilemma of death. Hebrews 2. <clears throat> Look at verse 9. Hebrews 2 9 says, But we do see him, Hebrews 2 9, that him is Jesus, who's been made for a little while, lower than the angels namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death. Hebrews 2, 9, crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God, he might taste death for what your Bible say? He tasted it for everyone. Skip down to verse 14, Hebrews two fourteen. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, they're human. He, Jesus himself, likewise also partook of the same. He became human that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of who? The descendant of Abraham. That's all of us who are in Christ. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren. Jesus did in all things that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. But everybody turn to Hebrews 11. And I want to just say to you here that I believe that the main temptation that Jesus faced that's addressed in Hebrews 2 is the temptation to give up. In the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, what, pass from me. He went through a temptation, a test. He said to the disciples in the garden, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray and watch that you enter not into temptation. And three times he fell on his face and said, Father, if you are willing, let this cup, what, Pass from me. He recoiled from the cross, but he tasted death for you and for me. And in Hebrews 11, this is why we can celebrate now as we look at this faith walk. It says, by faith, this is addressing Abraham in Hebrews eleven nine, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. As in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Hebrews 11.10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. She too walked by faith. Skip down to verse 13. All these, including Sarah and the other patriarchs, died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, verse 16, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a place for you. And the good news is that your faith journey, in many ways, just begins when you pass from this life if you're living for that which will really last. Abraham was. And so when he buried Sarah, go back to Genesis 23, he buried her with an eye on eternity. He knew in his soul he would see her again. And every one of us who have lost loved ones and buried them, buried other Christians uh, in the faith, there's going to be a great reunion day coming, brethren. Do you believe it? There was a lady who, a uh, pastor went and visited her, and she, uh, she had planned her whole service. She knew she was dying, and, and uh, she went over the music and all the stuff with the pastor, and she, she, he was getting ready to leave, and she said, oh, one more thing, pastor. I want to be buried with a fork. He was like, What? She goes, oh, yes, I love the church potlucks, pastor. And what I love the most is the desserts at the end when we get to partake with the desserts. And he goes, well, what's the meaning of the fork? And she goes, the fork means the best is yet to come. How many of you love dessert? I believe there's going to be dessert in heaven. I am clinging to that hope. I believe it will not add one... Ounce of fat to my body. Can I get a witness? Yeah. <laughs> then Abraham, Genesis 23, 3, rose before or beside his dead wife. And he spoke to the sons of Heth or the Hittites in the NIV, saying, I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you. Genesis 23, 4. Give, NIV says, sell me a burial site among you that. I may bury my dead out of my sight. Now, I don't think that Abraham's saying, I don't want to look at a grave. I think he's saying, I want to honor my wife's body. So I need a place to bury my wife. Get this, the man who was told, walk, go on, walk about everywhere you step. The land is yours. He didn't actually own any land except a burial site. You see, he was living for future generations. He was planting a foundation that future generations would realize. And, you know, some people say, well, maybe he owned places where he built altars. I'm not sure. But what we know for sure is that probably all that he owned was the burial site that he had to purchase for his wife. He owned the land. He was supposed to have it all, but it wasn't realized yet. And you need to understand this because this is what the Bible teaches. You and I have the promises. Death has been defeated. We just haven't realized it yet. Evil has been defeated. It just hasn't been fully realized yet. Principalities and powers have been vanquished at the cross. We just haven't fully realized it yet. But one day we will realize it and we will stand with the great patriarchs and we will celebrate what Christ did at the cross. It's coming. You can take it to the bank. Jesus said, "In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you." essence of His comments, "If there was not of heaven, I would have told you. But I go and prepare a place for you. Heaven is real because Jesus said it is real, and it's impossible for God to what? To lie. It's real. I, I love the old movie, Field of Dreams. How many of you like that movie? All right, how many you guys need to watch some of these good movies. I, I mentioned Lord of the Rings, and some people are going, no, no. You, you gotta repent, and <laughs> these are good movies. Anyway, not good theology in Field of Dreams. Well, we all acknowledge that. People coming out of the cornfield is certainly not uh, biblical, but anyway. But there's a great scene where the ball player, the, the star in the movie says, this is, is this heaven? And the response by Kevin Costner is, no, it's Iowa. <laughs> and then Kevin Costner says, is there a heaven? And the response is, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. See, heaven is the place where we Realize those dreams and those hopes. But now Abraham has to live in the light of that promise. And that's what he's doing, and that's what we do. And so he had to rise before his dead wife, and he spoke to the people of the land. He said, I'm a stranger, I'm a sojourner. I need a burial site. You know, when we deal with death, um, few people are prepared to deal with the implications of somebody dying And uh, this is a part of ministry that just happens. So we have to walk people through what to do and people are numb and they don't know what to do. And they have to, there's expenses, there's costs, there's decisions to be made. And Abraham's now that guy. Uh, Some scholars believe from the language in the early verses that he may not have been there when she died. She may have died suddenly. It may not have been a long illness where she was on a deathbed. He may have been gone, come back, to her being dead. And I had to deal with that reality and many of you have walked through that and it's not easy and it's good to have people by your side. And so the sons of Heth answered Abraham saying to him, verse six, hear us my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us, literally a prince of God. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land the sons of Heth, or the Hittites. Now Abraham's bowing initiated a custom where there was a negotiation about to occur. Abraham bowed to no one in the Bible except the Lord and the angels in an earlier chapter. There's no record of him bowing anywhere, but he bows here in the land of Canaan as a sense of negotiation. And this this is kind of a way of saying, we're about to negotiate. And so he bowed, and they started to discuss the price of a site or that he would have a burial site. Um, Anywhere Abraham lived uh, that we know of, and he had a well in different places and stuff, it's, it would appear that he leased or rented land, but he did not want to rent a burial site. There's a place, the new Testament mentions a place called Abraham's bosom, which has a, a parallel meaning of paradise. And I'm sure that there, Abraham met his wife, Sarah, again. And they were in the presence of the Lord. And now we know they're with the Lord in heaven. And the Bible says that one day we'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. And we're going to sit down with Sarah as well. And this is the beauty of the Christian gospel, that death does happen to both believer and unbeliever alike. But the hope that we have is that we're going to be with the Lord forever. And death has lost its power and sting because Jesus conquered death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the good news. This is what we share through this radio broadcast. This is Living Truth Radio, and we're excited that you're with us for the book of Genesis. Tell a friend about what you're listening on, what you're hearing on this broadcast, and visit us at our website. It's livingtruthradio.org. You can find out more about the church fellowship behind this broadcast. You can listen to past sermons. You can check out our Sunday morning or Wednesday night studies in the book of Revelation right now, and even our new service called 633, where we're tackling apologetics subjects. So check all of that out at livingtruthradio.org. There you'll have an opportunity to give to this ongoing radio broadcast. If this has been a benefit to you and you'd like to see it continue on your station and spread out to more Please help us out. Don't think someone else is going to do it. Uh, whatever small gift or large gift you can give, it would really help us out. Livingtruthradio.org. Just click on the donate button. If we can pray for you in any way, use the contact form on the website. Let us know who you are, where you listen, and how we can pray for you. And if we can be of any help to you, please reach out to us. Livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Andy Chapel and Oscar Santa Cruz, this is Pastor Michael. And we will catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. 1009 Arsenal Way Corona California 92880 Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.